0: We turn uh, to, to this morning to Genesis chapter 27, and we read from the first uh, verse of the portion of Scripture. Genesis chapter 27, and beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass. That when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here I am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and make me some venison, and make me savoury meat such as I love, And bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savoury meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord. Uh, before the Lord, before my death, now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee: go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make thee them sl- savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth, and thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death and Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother. Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savoury meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids, the goats, upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck, and she gave the savoury meat and the bread which she had prepared unto the hand of her son And we'll end our reading there. Um, We could have gone on and probably should go on, uh, but for the sake of time, we'll end our reading there. But we will be looking at the rest of the portion of Scripture. Let's just unite together in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for the blessings that Thou dost give us. We thank, Lord, of the great controversy and dispute over the blessing of that is here the blessing of the Lord. And yet, Lord, we thank thee that every child of thine has thy blessing, an eternal blessing, a forever blessing that is settled upon every child of God. And we thank, Lord, of the great wrestling here, and we pray that we indeed might have thy blessing today. Draw us nigh to thee, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, we have started a short series on the life of Jacob. And Jacob here is a man of prime importance in the Bible. He's a patriarch. He is a carrier of the line of the Messiah. And in both Judaism and in Christianity, Jacob is seen as one of the founders of Israel. And the nation, of course, is named after him. And his 12 sons then are named as the sons of Israel, Jacob's sons. And Jacob was a twin, and we think of how he and Esau. Esau was the elder of the two twins, Uh, and we think of the prophecy that was made right at their birth. Rebekah, their mother, said, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So there you have the purpose of God. There is God's um, uh, outlining of what will take place. The younger will have the spiritual leadership. He is the one who is going to be predominant. And then we go further in Malachi 1, verses 2 and 3. It says, Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob, and I hated Esau, and let his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. So here is the amazing statement of God's purpose there. We have uh, their birth and their background and how God has uh, certain purposes for these two lads. And now the situation is some time later. We think of last time we thought about the birthright and how Jacob, as it were, uh, deceitfully, as it were, wheedled uh, the birthright out of Esau. Now we have come to the situation in chapter 27 where we're talking about the blessing. You say, what's the difference between the birthright and the blessing? Well, there were two parts to the birthright. The one was the uh, bestowal of honour upon the firstborn. How the firstborn was to have the double portion. And that's the first thing. He the, the The first part of the birthright was the double portion. But then the second part of the uh, birthright, as far as Jacob was concerned, was that he was the divine prince. He was the prince in the line of the Messiah. He was given leadership of the tribe and of the children of Israel. And there was the spiritual part of the birthright. And that's what Esau despised. That's what Esau counted to be as nothing. The blessing, on the other hand, was given regardless of birthright, although the the one who had the birthright usually had the bigger or the greater blessing. And here now we're thinking about the blessing of the father. And we see the account of what takes place here and how that Jacob even though God's will was that he should have the birthright and the blessing, how that Jacob went about it in an underhand way. Now, it was the will of God for him. It was the will of God that he should have these things, but it was not the will of God that he should force the issue or that he should go about it in an underhand way. And we can see, even though uh, Jacob does go about it in an underhand way, that God in mercy provides this blessing for him. He gets the blessing in spite of himself, almost, and um, rather than due to himself. And you can see the grace of God operating in the life of this man. And we rejoice today in the grace of God that operates in our lives. And we can see that as we go through this story today, you can see how that God in mercy... How God, in in spite of what we do, steps into our lives. And that's a wonderful encouragement to us. You know, we feel the Lord many times and in many ways. And there are times when the devil would say to us, you know, God could have nothing to do with you. You you have wrecked your chances, as it were. You, You have spoiled everything. And God cannot use you or do anything with you. Well, when we look at the life of Jacob, we can see that even though Jacob spoiled things in so many ways, yet God still had a plan and purpose for him. And we want to see that as we look at Jacob here as he receives the blessing. Now, there are just a few things about Jacob here in this portion of Scripture that I want you to see. And first of all, I want you to see the dysfunction of Jacob's family. Nobody comes out of this story with a glowing testimony. You can see that Isaac here really is a man with a desire for the fleshly. What's he interested in? Food. What's he interested in? How that Esau can go out and get him food. And Isaac would have known that this was something that that Jacob was the one That was to have the blessing. He had heard the prophecy, the oracle that had been given to his wife, and yet he's going against that. So Isaac doesn't come out of this well. Rebecca doesn't come out of it well because she goes against her husband. She is undermining the authority. She's usurping authority. She's overthrowing his dignity in many ways and she's going in her own agenda. And then Jacob, he doesn't, he's the implementer of the deceit that is hatched. And Esau doesn't come out of it either very well because he is one who uh, goes out and marries these women who are from uh, the heathen tribes and all the rest of it. But you can see that here's a family in which there is dysfunctionality. And I want you to see that the home relationship is broken. The problem in Isaac and Rebecca's relationship can be uh, seen beginning back in chapter 25. And if you look through chapter 25 to chapter 27, there's no record of the family praying. There's no record of Isaac praying. There's no record of uh, Rebecca praying. There's no record of Jacob praying. And they don't pray together. There is no thought of them here. And more than that, they they don't seem to be talking to one another. Uh, Rebecca goes and overhears what Isaac has to say. Isaac and Esau go into this private con- conference. There is no uh, thought of bringing the whole family together and discussing out what is taking place. And you can see that there's a breakdown in the relationship that is taking place here in this portion of Scripture. And you know that God has a plan for these two boys, but here is a family, and they are not talking to one another, much less getting a direct message from God. And we think of the relationship that has broken down here. And the rebellion by Isaac was uh, an attempt to deprive Jacob of the divinely ordained blessing that he wanted. And what we see here is dysfunction in the family. And what I want you to see is that we should talk to one another. Now, I'm talking to myself, maybe more than the rest of you. Uh, maybe you are like me a little bit, and you like to solve problems in your own mind and in your own heart. And uh, maybe there's not much that discussion and talking to one another. But we need to talk to one another in the family, we need to have that discussion one with the other in the family. Here was Isaac, and he was so focused upon his food and upon his earthly, fleshly things, and he had forgotten to talk to Rebecca, he had to talk, forgotten to talk to Jacob, and he had forgotten to talk to his family. And because of that, there comes a breakdown in the family. Now, what we need to make sure is that we talk to each other. If we fail in that, so much of the problems that enter into families come from that failure to talk to one another. There is a breakdown then in the home relationship. But there's more than that. There's a breakdown in the heavenly relationship. We said that they're not talking to the Lord either. They're not talking to one another, and they're not talking to the Lord as we say, as you look through uh, chapter 25 to 27, they are not praying. And Isaac should have brought this to the Lord. Is Esau the one that I'm going to give the blessing to? And Esau, what did he do? Did he talk to the Lord? Am I the one that's to get the blessing? Is this the path that I'm going to be? And Isaac really here is the picture of the backslider here. He's running in Contrary to the will and the plan of God, and he's not seeking God's face, and of course that leads to a lot of problems. When we are not talking to the Lord, when we are not bringing our families together and praying together, this man Isaac—he should have been a man of prayer. He should have been a—he—he is the one through whom the blessing is to come. You would think that he would be a man of prayer, but he's not praying. And Esau's not praying. And Jacob's not praying. And Rebecca's not praying. And uh, Rebecca hears the over, uh, o- overhears the conversation between her, her husband and, Isaac, uh, 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 and Esau. And she didn't pray. She didn't seek, what's God's will for me? What, what's, what, would, what should I do? But she goes out and she hatches her own plan. And she does her own thing. And how many things enter into our families. How many failures there are in our families. Because we don't bring it to the Lord in prayer. There's a breakdown in the home relationship. And a breakdown in the heavenly relationship. But then there's a breakdown in the holiness relationship. The problems in Isaac and Rebekah's relationship with one another and with the Lord It's not a bit wonder then the family takes the cue from that. You know, we are not living unto ourselves. We are influences, particularly in the family. Others will look to us in the family. Others will take their cue from what we do in the family, particularly uh, mothers and fathers, uh, until the children are a certain age. And even then, after that, there is that responsibility upon us, to live holy lives and give a holy example to those that are in the family and to the wider uh, family as well. Maybe the church family or the uh, community family or to the national family. We are to be examples of holiness. And there is a breakdown here in the family. There's a dysfunctional family because they didn't talk to one another. They didn't talk to the Lord. And then... By their influence, they began to influence in the wrong way. So there is a dysfunctionality in the family. But not only do we notice the dysfunctionality in the family, but I want you to see the designing of Jacob's mother. We see it here in verses 1 to 4. There is this conference between Isaac and Esau. Isaac's declining in health. And look at verses 2 to 4. You read what he said to his elder son, Behold, now I am old, I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out into the field and make me some venison, and make me savoury meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat and my soul may bless thee before I die. Now this is a secret meeting. Isaac and Esau together. The rest of the family are excluded. Only that Rebecca overhears or probably is eavesdropping here. The, the, the word in the Hebrew, the word heard there, would sort of indicate eavesdropping. And she is trying to hear what is going on. She's determined to hear what's going to take place. Now, when she hears what's going to take place, she begins to scheme and plan. Now, when you see Rebecca's shortcoming. There are many things to recommend Rebecca. She has beauty, she has courage, she has ambition, but she lacked lacked something at this point in her life. Um, She lacked that submissiveness that she should have had. Now, the Bible speaks about the family. And the Bible has a a rule and it has a, a kind of a template for the family. And when we undermine that template, we are going against God's plan for the family. Now, in the family, the husband, the Bible says, is the head of the family. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that the wife is a skivvy? It certainly doesn't mean that. Does it mean that the wife is not equal? No, it certainly doesn't mean that. When it says that the wife is to submit to her husband, it means, it's the same word that is used of the Lord Jesus when he became submissive to his father. He subjected himself to his father. It didn't mean he wasn't equal. It just means that he voluntarily took on the role of the servant, as it were, in this uh, circumstance. Now, we live in a day where they talk about the patriarchy. And this society has been uh, built upon a patriarchy and they're trying to tear that down today. But listen, the, fa- the the family is to be in God's uh, plan and purpose. It is as God has laid down, and anything that undermines that is going to cause disaster in our society. And there is that place where things are to be discussed, where if a husband is going to do something, he brings it to the family, or brings it particularly to his wife, and there's a discussion over it. If, in the end of the day, there is going to be a disagreement and something has to be done, well, the husband will take the decision, but he also bears the responsibility for it. Now, say the wife makes the final decision. The husband still bears responsibility for that in the sight of God. It's the husband always that bears the responsibility is the husband that's going to give an account for that at the end of the day when he gets before the judgment seat of Christ. That's God's template for the family. And you can see now that Rebecca really is undermining. Now, Jacob should have gone to her, or rather, Isaac should have gone to her. Isaac should have disgusted with her. And there's wrong there, there is wrong in what was done. He he shouldn't have been going behind her back and doing all of these things. But nevertheless, you can see her fault, and you can see her shortcoming here in this portion of Scripture. Not only do you see her shortcoming, but her scheme. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, And Rebekah spake unto her Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savoury meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord uh, before my death. Jacob was her favorite, as Esau was Isaac's favorite, and so she wanted out smart her husband with deception. And no doubt she assured herself that Scripture was on her side. The Lord's will had been revealed to her, uh, that the younger would serve the elder, uh, but this is not the way to go about it. And you know, many times we can do what we want to do and get Scripture to try and back it up and justify what we do, but God doesn't need our clever little schemes. God doesn't need our input to do all of these things. What we need to do is seek the will of God about these things. God, who put the fish into Peter's net, was very uh, able to bring deer in from the forest in order for Jacob to make the meat that was necessary for uh, his father. So you can, uh, you, you can see how that she's going ahead of God. Look at verses 9 and 10. "'Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savoury meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat.' and that he may bless thee before his death. Now, Rebecca must have been a spectacular cook uh, with spices and herbs and things to make um, the the goat's meat like venison. But nevertheless, she seems to have been able to do that. And she deceives her husband. Now, she pays for it, of course. The the Word of God says, For whom the the, the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And after this, Rebekah's beloved son has to flee to Paddan Aram. She loved her son. She had a special place in her heart for Jacob. But she comforts herself. Uh, She says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee thou to Laban, my brother to Haran, and tarry with him a few days. He said, Well, this will only be a few, few days. Things will blow over. Esau will simmer down. But the year passed, and then a few years passed. And the thing was that Rebecca never saw her son Jacob again in the flesh. She paid for it. And we all pay. The Bible says, Be sure your sin will find you out. So we see the designing of Jacob's mother. But then I want you to see the deceiving of Jacob's father. Look at verse 14. Here's Jacob. He goes out and he gets the goat and the meat has been prepared. And it says, And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And then look at verses 17 and 18. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son. Now, I want you to see, Jacob should have some credit, of course, for looking for the spiritual blessing. He was concerned enough to look for the birthright and the blessing. Esau wasn't bothered whatsoever. But I want you to see that Jacob wasn't overly scrupulous about the way that he went about getting these things. Probably at this stage, he's, Still doesn't know the Lord. We talk about the fact that he hadn't prayed. There was no mention of Jacob having any conversation with the Lord before this. Uh, Jacob probably is a type of the person who wants the blessings of God without uh, knowing the one who gives the blessing. But when you see Jacob's falseness here, we noticed that Jacob is a deceiver. He was a heel grabber. Jacob has the connotation, the protection of God, but we thought about how there's a pun in the name. There is an indication of this thought that he's a deceiver and a supplanter. And we think of how now he's dressing dressing in Esau's work clothes. He puts goat skins upon his arms and uh, he covers his hands to simulate the hairy nature of Esau. And here he is, and he's a deceiver, and he's a liar. Look at verse 19. And I want you to see that there's at least four lies there that he tells in one breath. He says, I am Esau. He wasn't Esau. He says, I have done according as thou badest me. He hadn't. He hadn't obeyed his father. And he says, Arise, I pray thee, and sit and eat my venison. It wasn't venison. It wasn't venison. And you can see that here um, in the portion of scripture that he's speaking of. And he said that thy soul may bless me. Now he's talking about Esau. Four lies in a single breath. And then look at uh, verse 20. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that thou hast find found it so quickly. My son. Isaac's a bit suspicious. And here's another lie. And he said. Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. So time and time again. He's lying. And he's trying to. F- and you can see the way that one lie leads to another. And of course sin increases. And you have to tell another lie. To conceal the first lie. And. uh, Isaac sensing that something is wrong and then he brings him over and he feels the hairy nature of his hands and eventually gives him the blessing. And you think about Jacob's falseness here. Here's a man who's full of deceit, full of lies. And yet I want you to see his favor. You say, well, God does bless Jacob. How's that? After all those lies. After all that he's done, the way he's acting, God does and bless Jacob. Well, I want you to see that God blesses Jacob not because of what he's done, but in spite of what he's done. And that's the thing. We have a God of mercy. We have a God of mercy. Now, Jacob doesn't go without consequences in his life. You don't don't escape the consequences of sin. God may be merciful to you, but you don't escape the consequences of sin. You think of Abram. Abram and Isaac. Abram, uh, Abram and Isaac lived to ripe old ages. But Jacob, in Genesis chapter 47 and verse 9, described his years as few and evil. Now, Jacob lived a life, where he rubbed other people up the wrong way. He got what he wanted by deception and by lies and things, but he suffered the consequences of that. We find that um, later on, there is strife between his two wives and their concubines, there's strife between himself and Laban, there's strife between himself and Esau now in this portion of Scripture. His father's not too pleased with him, and throughout his life, there's always strife. He's always rubbing people up the wrong way. And he, at the end of the day, he looks at his life, and rather than say, oh, my life has been... what?" He says, few and evil have been the days of my life. He didn't completely enjoy his life. He, he had a life of blessing, and that God had been in his life. But he says, few and evil have been the days of my life. And if you live a life that is away from God, you might be a child of God and you have the mercy of God upon you. But you'll not enjoy things the way that you ought to. You'll not have the blessings that you ought to. Because, here's Jacob, and he says, few and evil have been the days of my life. He doesn't escape the consequences. But then I want you to think about the discovery of Jacob's deception and Our time is gone. But look at verse 30. It says that it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob. And Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And now the, uh, the deception is up. Look at verses 32 and 33. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken the venison and brought it to me? And I have have eaten of, of all before thou camest, and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. Now, you notice the way that Isaac reacts to this discovery. It says he trembled very exceedingly. What's that about? He realizes... That God had really intervened, even in the sin of Jacob. That God had brought it about that this oracle that had been given to Rebekah at the time of their birth was going to be fulfilled. That God had overruled his plans and his purposes to give Esau the blessing. And that God had stepped into this situation. And Esau trembles. He trembles because he realizes that God is in heaven. You know, there are times when God steps in and we recognize that God is still on the throne, that God is still in charge of things, and men may conspire against God, and they're doing all that they can to overthrow God's word in this day and generation, but God is still on the throne. And you might have thought, well, Isaac going to be angry and go, Isaac going to try and remedy the situation in his mind. But look at what he goes on and says in verse thirty-three: "Yea, and he shall be blessed." He says, "I this 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 is this is what's going to happen. I can't change this because this is God's way, and he recognizes." that it is God's way. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, Isaac is in the uh, canon of the uh, great men of faith. And this is where he comes in because he realizes now that God is in charge. But then one more thing here. Look at the displeasure of Jacob's brother. Look at verses 34 and 38. It says, And Esau heard the words of his father, and he cried with an exceeding bitter cry. And then in verse 38 it says, And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. What is the cause of his crime? He realizes now that he's despised the birthright. He now realizes that he has let go a valuable uh, possession. And that, this is bitter crying And if you look at verse 41, it says, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father at at hand, Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Esau's hatred is so great. It develops in his heart. Said in his heart, first of all. And then what he says in his heart begins to come a plotting and a desire. And now this evil in his heart precedes the deed that he wants to do. And of course, the Bible says, the Lord said that evil in the heart, hatred in the heart like that is already murder. He's already a murderer because he has conceived this in his heart. And Jacob has to flee from his home. Jacob has to flee from his mother and from his father and we see how his deception doesn't pay. He's away and he, he never sees his mother or his father again in this life. Never sees them. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sin destroys this family. Destroys our relationships. Destroys love between men and women. It will destroy And here is the destruction of sin. And while God's will is fulfilled, while God brings about what he's going to do, yet the consequences for Jacob and for the whole family are evident to be seen. And you may be saved. And you may think, well, and many people do think, well, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And, well, I can do what I want, and God will forgive me. But... There are consequences for sin. There are always consequences for sin. God is not mocked. whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. Our best and happiest plan is to follow God with all our hearts. If you want happiness in your life and happiness in your family and happiness in those around you, follow God because that's God's template for happiness and for blessing. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for our look at Jacob here, and though God's will was uh, fulfilled, yet Lord, we think of the consequences for these people and this breakdown in their family and in their relationships. O God, safeguard our families, Put thy hand upon our families. Help us to walk as thou wouldst have us to walk in everything that we do. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Can we turn to the hymn 407? We'll sing a verse or two. In closing, Nearer, my God, to thee, nearer to thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my songs shall be, Nearer, my God, to thee. 407, and we will uh, sing the first and the fourth verses of the hymn. Loving God and our gracious Father, we pray that thou wouldst continue to bless. We ask that thou wilt raise our Bethel, even in our hearts today. May it be the house of God to our souls. Part us in thy blessing now. Take us to our homes in safety and watch over us and be with us for Jesus' sake. Amen.